love it. I love after a song. When you can tell a song has had, has done what it's supposed to do. And you can hear a pin drop. Because that's what it's about. That's why we're here. That's why we do an Easter egg hunt. That's why we live. Because we're redeemed. We don't have to worry about living in a fear that will never measure up. We don't have to worry about never getting to where we think we're supposed to be. Because we're redeemed. And the beauty of what we're looking at today, you'll understand redemption a little deeper, I believe, today. Last week, we we looked at Friday, the three days of what's called the Passion. We looked at Friday a little deeper, and we looked at the events kind of behind the scenes of of what took place leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. And we were able to see that the people behind Jesus being crucified wasn't the chief priests, and it wasn't Pilate, it wasn't the Pharisees, but it was Jesus It was Jesus willingly giving himself up for us, dying on the cross for our sins so that we might be redeemed. Two of the most studied days in history are Friday and Sunday. Friday, the the study, the look at the events. Why was Jesus crucified? But then we quickly move into to Sunday and we look at the, the victory. We look at the victory of Jesus rising from the dead and going in and being seated with the Father in heaven, completing the redeeming work. But what happened to Saturday? Has it ever dawned on you guys that there's actually a day in the middle? Well, there's a day in the middle. But when you read the Bible, there's, there's nothing there. There's like this blank spot that it's like, what in the world happened on Saturday? We know like one thing that was happening, that Jesus had already died on on Friday and Joseph of Arimathea Arimathea came and he took Jesus down from the cross and he prepared him for burial and he laid him in a tomb. In scene, Friday's over. Nothing about Saturday. So what took place on Saturday. This isn't Sunday, this, this isn't Friday, but it, it's Saturday. 
the day after a prayer gets prayed. And there isn't an answer on the way. The day after a soul gets crushed and there's no hope for this person to get up off of the ground. It's a strange day. It's an in-between day. In between this place of despair and joy. In between confusion and full clarity. In between bad news and good news. And in between darkness and light. Maybe the people that believed in Jesus gathered together and they thought about Jesus' life. Whenever I do funerals, one of the things that I love telling people is this isn't just a day to, to mourn the loss of the loved one, but it's a day to celebrate. So, so maybe, maybe it was the gathering of Jesus' loved ones and his followers, and maybe they just celebrated his life. Maybe they thought about the things that he taught. But maybe they also had this picture in their mind, this fear in their mind and in their heart that Jesus was just like all the other messiahs before him and that his crucifixion meant that he failed. I can't help but think, if, if I was one of those disciples in Jesus' inner circle, there's this climax leading up to Jesus being the Savior of the world. He's going to redeem Israel, and now he's dead. This is what happened to every single one of the messiahs before Jesus. They died through crucifixion from the Romans. And that was the end of their reign as the Messiah. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday lie at the very heart of our calendar. There's a lot of significance placed on the three-day story as we look into the Bible itself. Paul wrote, For what I received... I passed on to you as first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. The Old Testament scriptures are actually filled with these three-day stories. And if you're not looking for it, it's really easy to miss them. One of them, when Abraham was afraid that he was going to have to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. It was on the third day after being told by God that he needed to sacrifice Isaac that he saw the sacrifice, the, the lamb, off in the brush. It was on the third day that Isaac was redeemed. Joseph's brothers get put into prison, and they're released on the third day. 
Israelite spies are, are told by Rahab to hide from their enemies and that they'll be safe on the third day. When Esther hears that her people are going to be slaughtered, she goes away and she fasts and she prays. And on the third day, the king receives into his presence Esther favorably. And he frees the Jewish people. All three-day stories share a similar structure. On the first day, there's trouble. On the third day, there's deliverance. But on the second day, there's nothing. There's waiting. There's just this continuation of trouble. This waiting on something that we're hoping will happen, but we don't know for sure if it's going to happen. There's this kind of suspense, and this would be the place where I begin to get very impatient. Jesus said this is what he was going to do. But this isn't what's happened. You see, the story has a beginning. In Genesis, there's a garden, and in the middle of this garden is the tree of life. It marks the beginning of a story. It tells us of God's goodness and his provision for human beings. The story has a middle. Through the fall, the garden somehow becomes lost. Man has fallen. There's now something separating God and man. And the story has an ending. In the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, the tree is now not necessarily in a garden, but it's now a city. The tree in Genesis... And then the tree and revelation are actually the bookends to the story of human history. You see, we're, we're living in the in-between. Genesis marks the beginning of creation. Revelation marks the end of the story of God's people. There's this climax this place that we're waiting for it to come. If you've ever been around a loved one, when they're at that point when they know that death is certain, that it's, it's not going to be much longer and they're going to pass away. There are some people who will fight it because they, they don't want to die. They're afraid of what's going to happen. But there are also the people that have this strong relationship with Jesus. And they're just looking forward to that day. They're reaching that climax in the story when their bookend is becoming complete. They're nearing the end of the, the in-between. We live in this place that's kind of in between the trees, if you will. The tree of Genesis and the tree of Revelation. God is eternal. 
God, God is eternal. He says in Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. These titles constantly reoccur through Scripture. He says, who is and who was and who is to come. A beginning, a middle, and an end. Creation, fall, redemption. Father, Son, Spirit. Yesterday, today, tomorrow. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's not a coincidence that Jesus says that I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first letter of the Greek alphabet is Alpha. The last letter of the Greek alphabet is Omega. Jesus is saying, I, I was with you in the beginning. I'm with you in the middle. And I will be with you in the end, this complete story of redemption is unfolding in our lives. Our lives are marked by God, by Jesus. Events were dated by the reign of an emperor. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it starts out, In the year that King Uzziah died, that was how they, they marked their time, their year. In Luke 1.5, it says, In the time of Herod, the king of Judah. By the end of the third century, Rome's old eight-day week had been replaced by a seven-day calendar of Israel and the church. 600 years after Jesus, a Scythian monk I'll give you a short name, called Little Dennis, proposed a system not based on pagan myth of when Rome was founded, but rather on the birth of Jesus. And thus changes how we look at time. And so now, when we think about a person and their life, we say that they were born on June 7th, 1981, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, every time you say a date, every time you wake up in the morning and you look at the morning newspaper, when you turn on the TV, when you open up your phone and you see the date, you're literally seeing Jesus' life proclaimed over time. Because it's in his name that even time and dates have been based. Now think about this. When you go to a cemetery, on the tombstone of someone who has passed away, it'll say two things. It'll say their name, but it will also say their birth date and the date they died. The date that in Jesus you became alive. And the date in Jesus that you went to be with him. Jesus is the beginning and the end.
But you see, in the Bible, the fall is what marks the middle. There's something about the middle. You see, the dash in that little epitaph on there is up to you and I. You and I get to choose everything that goes on. But remember, it doesn't matter what really happens in the middle. Because your beginning and your end are marked by Jesus. His grace in bringing you into the world. His grace in saving you from it. But what do we choose in the middle? In the Apostles' Creed, there's a statement that says that Jesus descends into hell. Then on the third day, he rises again. In the Apostles' Creed, they're making a statement. They're helping us see the picture that Jesus will not stop at any amount of suffering to save us from our own suffering. He went down to the depths of hell. There was nothing that took place. Life almost seemed to stop. For the human standpoint, we think about the miraculous day as being Sunday. Because we see a man that that has risen from the dead and, and fully saved us from our sins. But I wonder if from heaven's standpoint, the really truly miraculous day is Saturday. When Jesus is born, the skies are filled and the heavenly hosts praising God. Because now we have this child, this Emmanuel, God with us. Somehow God in a manger, somehow God in a stable, and somehow God on earth changes everything about our lives. Now on Saturday, the angels and the heavenly hosts, they look down, and now what do they see? They see their God in a tomb. For us, symbolizing the end of all things. Once we die, what, there's, we're no longer here. There's eternal life. But it's hard for us who are physically here to understand a realm that we're not in. But life continues. You see, the miracle of Sunday is that a dead man lives the miracle of saturday is that an eternal god lies dead so jesus christ defeats our enemy of death not by proclaiming that he is invincible Not by proclaiming and saying, I am God. There's no reason for anyone to die. You all can just live and be free. But no, he submits himself to it. He literally gives himself over to death. Think about it. 
in order for Jesus, who is living, to rise from the dead, what does he have to be? Dead. To help you out a little bit. If there's only a Friday and a Sunday, there's no victory. There's no redemption. But Saturday is literally the mark of what God is saying. I literally died for you. It wasn't a magic trick. It wasn't something that you can go back and say, well, he never fully died. And it was just, you know, he would just fell asleep. No, he was dead. Thus making Sunday possible. Making redemption possible for each one of us. So when we read, when we read in the Bible, when we go from Friday to Sunday, you see what's missing in there is our little dash. It's the life of you and I. You see, because each one of us, we're a part of this story. You see, we're living in between the Genesis and the Revelation. You and I are are part of God's story. And his story is redemption. His purpose is to reconcile us with our Father. This Thursday, we'll celebrate Monday Thursday together. A time where we celebrate life. We celebrate a meal. We come together and we eat. But it's a time where we're actually sharing life with one another. Celebrating the life that brought us redemption. How do we honor God? With that space in between our bookends. Do we honor God like we honestly believe that we're redeemed? Or do we just live life because we have life and we can choose how we do it? What does your life look like knowing that Jesus Christ has died for your sins? You see, all of us have something in common. We're all sinners. If you guys don't understand that concept that we're all sinners, there's not one of us in here who's perfect. We don't all have the right answers. We've all failed. We've all made horrible decisions. We all struggle with things that we want to hide from everyone else because we're embarrassed that they may know something about us. But you see, the beauty of of my job 
And one of the things that I've been so amazed with as being a pastor is my eyes were open to this fact that we've all failed. That I don't have to get up here and stand up here and act like I'm perfect and I have it all together and show you guys this is how you're supposed to live life because here's the thing. I've done some really dumb things. I've failed miserably. But you know what? When you come to my office, when you come and talk to me, we're on equal ground. It's not pastor and clergy. It's two sinners talking together. We don't have to be afraid of sharing our failures with each other. At least we shouldn't be. Because the whole point of being the body of Christ is understanding that we're redeemed. That it's not something that you could do to make yourself better. It's not something you can do. It's not something I can do to make myself better. It's an understanding that God loves us. That his grace covers over all of our sins. And that he redeemed our life and made us new in Christ Jesus. When you think about someone, we, I made the comment the other night, we, I was just being sarcastic, but the news was on, and I was like, oh, why don't you tell me something new about someone else being killed, or you know, just being you know, a grumpy butt. And, you know, I realized that, you know, we watch news and we say, oh, that person's a horrible person. Well, in the scheme of things, we could be right next to them. It's just our life isn't plastered all over public television. But you see, Jesus Christ died for them just as much as he died for each one of us. And we have a choice that we can sit around and mope around in our failures and we can just let it drag us down. We can just stay where we're at in the depths of life. Or we can pick ourselves up and realize that we have a hope for a brighter day. That when I lay my head down, this miserable, horrible day that I'm having, I have a hope that when I wake up in the morning, I am redeemed and the day starts over. A new chance. A new chance at life. Every day you and I have a new chance at life because we are redeemed because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. You see, that wasn't in my notes at all. but I have this feeling in my heart that there are people here today and I know that there are people out there who are hurting because they think their life isn't valuable. They think that their life is horrible. There's no point in living. There's no point in going on another day. But Jesus Christ says, no, you're wrong. I have given you hope. 
I came and I gave my life for you so that no matter what you're going through, you're saved. That you just look at me, if you just find you in me, and you're redeemed. Think about how that changes your life. You know, I was sitting up here with Jennifer, and I saw Barb come in. She sat down, and I told Jennifer, I was like, Barb's here. Why in the world is Barb here? See, because I, from the outside, look at her circumstances. I would have given up a long time ago. But she understands this. She understands that the misery of today ends when I go to bed because the tomorrow's a new day, a new chance at life. Because she's been redeemed. She's living in her Saturday. But her hope is her Sunday. You see, her hope is found not in her life, not in her circumstances, but in Jesus. Because in Jesus, we conquer all of those things that keep us down. What is holding you down? What is holding you back? Because the beauty of Jesus Christ dying on the cross is that you have the chance to boldly stand in front of Satan and say, Jesus Christ died for me. And you have no power over my life. So no matter what circumstances you bring against me, no matter what you throw at me to keep me down, you're not going to. Because Jesus redeemed my soul. And he's a hundred times more powerful than anything Satan can bring you. It's a proven fact that followers of Christ heal faster than people who do not believe in Jesus Christ. It's because their hope isn't in the worry of death. Their hope is in the miracle of life. Where's your hope this morning? May it be found in Jesus Christ.